Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm a big fan of Texas. And I actually live in Texas. And usually on our Thought Leader Podcast, we have to jump onto a virtual time machine or airplane or wormhole and go all over the country. Today, we just had to go just a little bit further from where I live, just across town. And we're talking to Joey Jones. Now, I don't think we're not going on some wormhole trips, though, in this interview. Um, it blew my mind not once, not seven times, but 42. 42 times my mind was blown during this interview. It's the meaning of life. Here we go. Joey Jones. Joey Jones. Nice to talk with you, Joey. I, I couldn't help but notice you have a pretty awesome map there behind you on the wall is that uh it looks like what texas a little that bit is of california the republic of, the republic of texas really oh wow so what's what's your connection to the republic of texas governor Just no born and uh, bred texan okay nice <laughs> uh so what i know of texas is what i've traveled through and, and my favorite part of texas is that what is it the cadillacs that are that are front down next to the sure, highway amarillo mm-hmm I love Cadillac, the Cadillac love Ranch. Cadillac Ranch, that's right. So <laughs> how is Texas this year? Uh, it's been nuts. Randy's down there too, but what's your impression of Texas? You know, it, it's it's been a crazy time for everybody, uh, obviously. The the biggest challenge, of course, that Texas has is really not the coronavirus, but but the open border. Uh, and that that's really the challenge that Texas has this year. And it, it's insane. I mean, it, so far, already a million people have come across the border this year alone. Um, a million this a year? Million, wow. A million. A uh, million. I mean, it's a, it's an effort to change the voting demographic is what it amounts to. And so is your business in Texas, like all of your business? Is it national? Is it international? It, my business is international. So I, I have three different businesses that I run. My consulting business is international. The business that I spend most of my time on is a business called CurveBlock, which is actually based in the UK. And so how much do you feel like talking about Texas and the Republic of Texas comes into conversation? Is it the start of every conversation? You feel like you got to go out and get your cowboy boots on? Or? <laughs> not, not every conversation. It does come up a lot. Uh, it, it does come up a lot, but not yeah, every the, conversation. The international community loves and hates texas that's the fun thing about it so it's 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 a lightning rod um so randy speaking of Indeed. the lightning rod of texas he he grew up in south texas yeah very 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 south um, <laughs> so I, I tell everybody i have i was born and bred in west texas some people actually believe me um but yeah i i live in the southern part or i was born in the very southern part of texas somewhere south of the equator but yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Texan for six years, six and a half years, and I've got my cowboy boots. I don't have my cowboy hat, but I love the place. Absolutely love it. I'm in Austin. Where are you? Actually, I'm in, I'm in Austin currently as well. Cedar Park. Oh, right. Okay. I'm out by Oak Hill Way, um, southwest. Okay. So Texas stories. Let's see. Uh I grew up in Shreveport, so I, I kind of crossed the border into Texas every once in a while. 
Fort Worth, uh, Dallas, that kind of area. Yeah. How does Texas, I know we're dwelling a lot on Texas, but how, how does Texas shape your business in the UK, your international business, sort of the, the mindset of Texas, where it kind of is, it is a different mindset, it is a different feeling, right? It is. One of the challenges that I have had in dealing internationally, especially in the UK, is that most people in the UK, from from my perspective, of course, have more of a wait and see approach. They um, they tend to take a back seat and allow others to lead and, and aren't the forerunners. Uh, most of the time you see that in their government, you see that across the board, really, they just are not trailblazers. Uh, which is the total opposite, of course, of what people in Texas are, and and I tend to to say what I mean and and mean what I say, and and I'm fairly direct, and I'm not trying to be rude. I just it, it saves a lot of time if you can just say what you mean right up front and and not waste time and him haw around and beat around the bush. And and in in the UK, a lot of times they they won't say what they mean and then be offended by by me being too direct. So it's it's a challenge, but you know I I believe in being out front. <laughs> so if you're the if you're the bull and the UK is the China shop, how how have you been so successful? Having a, a couple of co-founders that are that are from there, <laughs> and and willing to understand me and and say hey, you might not want to be quite that that direct, um, <laughs> and and helping rein me in some. Um, Love that. So uh, before before we toss into the more fun sort of business sort of wonky talk, I'm curious. I, it feels to me like you've got a long line of storytellers in your ancestry. Did you grow up around sort of at the foot of people who talk well and tell funny jokes or whatever else? What what was your childhood like? I, I did. I, I grew up in Fort Worth. Actually, is, is where I huh. spent most of my my childhood. Most of my family went to TCU, based there in in Fort Worth. There's an endowment there today, and my grandfather's name. My grandfather was a pastor, and um, wow. in the First Christian Church, and so probably one of the most influential people in my life. There, there's a whole lot of things I'd like to ask him now, and in, in hindsight, that, that he's no longer with us. But but was he was a great storyteller and and believed in in being the consummate servant and putting other people first and. And that's kind of the way I grew up. He told some great stories, cooking breakfast for Bonnie and Clyde, for instance, at, at the end wait, of a wait, shotgun. Wait, 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 wait yeah, what? yeah. He was, he was, because uh, as you know, Bonnie and Clyde were mostly in in Texas, um, and and somewhat in Louisiana. And he came. He was at his cousin's house. Came downstairs one morning, and to the barrel of a shotgun, and said, "Cook breakfast." And so he did. He was a short order cook. Your grandfather for Bonnie and made Clyde. breakfast for Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, what did they want? Uh, that was it. They were they were hiding out. They they had no, their meal and they left. It was no really no, no event. No, I meant like literally. What did they want? Was it like <laughs> oh, oh just bacon and eggs? Bacon yeah, and yeah, eggs. just yeah. just bacon and eggs back then. I mean, they you know do some toast or whatever, but it, it was pretty basic stuff back then. Yeah, interesting stories. He interesting was stories. He, yeah, he was in the um, cavalry, and but as a pastor. So, what what do you think, Joey? What do you think your grandfather would think of of blockchain and cryptocurrency and tokenization of real estate and all the sort of stuff that you're doing that nobody understands? What would he think of it? Uh, he would think it was awesome. Um, he he would he would think 
I mean, he believed in in forward thinking. When people are reluctant for change, he would say, "Life is change," and so you're you're better to accept it and and even seek it as opposed to sitting back and being affected by it. He would think it was pretty cool stuff. And um, the first half of my adult life, I was a registered investment advisor and, and held many, many licenses, had had about 37 agents that worked for me in my firm, which I sold in 08. And so when, when I saw blockchain, it simply made sense to me as a means to improve our really broken financial system. He would see all that and say, charge, charge on. <laughs> Imagine the conversation over breakfast. Your grandfather's there. He's cooked breakfast for Bonnie and Clyde, and Bonnie and Clyde are going, there's going to be no banks. We're out of business. What's going on? So can you, can you explain to our listeners, you know, as if they're five-year-olds, what blockchain does and what it means by tokenizing currency? Sure. From my view, that particular mentality, which is pretty prevalent, banks are going away, money's changing, all that is a misnomer. I don't think that's true. Will they change their their complexion? Certainly. But we have been operating on a digital model for 25 years. Very few people use cash for anything anymore. And, and now, you know, about four years ago, I stopped being able to pay my mortgage in cash because Chase Bank wouldn't accept my cash unless it was my account. That was four years ago. And so the idea that, that we're changing the system is true, but we're, we're improving the system. One of the challenges that we have now, you still see, you still see banks. My father was in the military, so I, I use USAA here in Texas, and they're all over the place. But you know they haven't had branches ever other than in San Antonio, and yet they have service members around the world that have operated with them and their family. So I'm a son of a of a yeah. major also, and I, I haven't been in the service, but I got USA. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, right. And and so the the con the idea that we are changing uh, how banks operate is to some degree true, but it's not to the the sky is falling chicken little idea that most people purport. The challenge that we have now, USA, for instance, still puts a hold on on some checks. We're operating in a digital world. Why would you put a hold on a check? You know instantly whether that check is good or not. Why do you need yeah. to put a hold for seven days on a check anymore? That's a, that's a holdover from years ago when everything operated by the snail mail system. It's only a, a means for them to make money on the float between the time it leaves your account and the time it gets to mine. It's, it's not legitimate. In that context, how would you explain to Bonnie and Clyde um, how they can rip off the the blockchain system? The blockchain system. Well, for Bonnie and oh, Clyde, they they're they're, <laughs> they're they're not going to rip off the blockchain system. They're going to rip off individuals instead of the bank. Is what it amounts to. It's going to become a matter of fraud as opposed to a matter of just outright theft. Or or they'll come into your house and and open up your drawer underneath your computer to find all your passwords, right? Well. Or you'll come downstairs to the end of a shotgun and they go, give me all your passwords. You go, yes, sir. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it's, still, it's still doable. It's just who they're robbing now. Now, now they're not going to the bank itself to, to do the theft. They're going to the individuals to, for the theft. I mean, that, that's what we see. It, you know, this whole idea that 
that we should be concerned about cryptocurrencies because of money laundering. The reality is we can track every transaction that's operated on a blockchain. We cannot track every fiat transaction. We've never been able to track every fiat transaction. They keep lowering the amount that they want to report to the IRS in various places. Um, this is around the globe, not just here in the U.S. And, and we still have the same issues with fiat currency today that we've always had, which is why I sit on a with Crypto UK, which is a, a nonprofit organization trying to fight for, for proper legislation within this space in the United Kingdom. And so I get to sit on some panels and have conversations with the FCA, uh, their equivalent to the SEC, and some of the other entities, HMRC, uh, their taxing authority equivalent to RRS, and point out, you're trying to create rules that you cannot apply to fiat. You're, be, you're being more restrictive with cryptocurrency than you are with fiat currency. That isn't right. That, that's going to squash uh, innovation, not promote innovation, and it's not the right approach. Uh, just because you understand it doesn't mean you put all the the walls up around it and try to fence it in. Uh, you learn to understand it is what you do. And, and regulators are, are I, I've been dealing with regulators most of my adult life. So they tend to, to be in their little box and, and not really try to figure out what's going on in the world, which is a wrong approach. And even what we see from the current SEC chairman is, is, I mean, he's been teaching about crypto and yet says all crypto needs to be regulated. Now, I've been saying since the beginning of 2017, that most cryptocurrencies do need to fall under regulatory guidance of, of the SEC or others, because if we use what I don't believe is accurate, but it, it's still what we have, which is the definition of, of investment, and, and it doesn't matter what the actual item is, what matters is how people use it. And if people are investing for gain, it's considered a security, which means most cryptocurrencies will be a security. And so we do need to operate with regulation. It would be great if the crypto industry would self-regulate, but that's clearly not going to happen because most of those that are out there want to burn the world and start all over, which almost never works. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole marketing element to this right now. Um, the SEC yesterday went after Coinbase because of their new dollar-linked coin, yeah. which has an interest element to the, the currency. And they went over after them publicly, which is unusual for the SEC to do that. So Rare. they're clearly Correct. trying to win some sort of marketing or public uh, awareness campaign to talk about how bad cryptocurrency is as a risky investment and that it needs to be regulated. Why do you think the change going public as opposed to doing it quietly, which is what they've done for the last few years? Well, they're being disingenuous. The SEC had almost 2,000 applications sitting on their desk for companies that wanted to be regulated and wanted to work with the SEC, and the SEC did nothing. They didn't respond. They didn't act. They did literally nothing. They sat there on their desks with no response. And now, all of a sudden, the SEC says, oh, well, you should, you should proactively work with us. Really? We've been trying, and you've been ignoring us for years. So this is, uh, let's tell a lie loud enough and long enough and see if people will believe it. So now I'm, I, I, I'd love to go to Curve Block and understand what you're doing. So it's, it's property development supported with a, or 
investment through some sort of blockchain and tokenized element. How does that work? I mean, it sounds fascinating to me. Yeah, the, the, the challenge that Kerblock is going to have is, again, going to be the FCA, of course, mm-hmm. um, and, and helping them understand what we're doing. In a very simplistic form, we are the same as, as an age-old closed-end fund. And so the token just simply represents a share of the fund. And mm. the, the benefit there being that it's more efficient. It can be sold peer-to-peer. You don't need the middleman. Um, where, where our financial system breaks down is that, that the SEC has given control to the large warehouses. And they control all transactions, which means that they put fees and, and other things associated with that on top of all these transactions. It makes the, the market and slow said, and it makes the market wire, expensive. Wirehouses? Yeah, wirehouses like like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and Chase and all these other big companies. Um, they they make they make the preponderance of their money from fees. That's that's how they make their money. And and they control what what goes on and, and the flow. So in sort of layman's terms, this is like you know, back five years ago when I sent money to somebody in Europe, it cost 39 bucks or whatever and took three, four days. But if I do it via blockchain, it happens instantly almost. That's exactly what I was about to equate it to. So in, in, in the banking world, we have what's called SWIFT, and that's what allows for the transfer of, of assets from me to you. If you're in another country, that asset can touch seven or eight different hands before it gets to its end result. And there are fees every time it touches a hand. Um, when we go peer to peer and I go directly from me to you, we cut out all those middlemen. That's exactly what we're doing with tokenization. We are removing the middleman. One thing that, that many people do not know because no one has talked about it is that, that all stocks are already digital. All bonds are already digital. You, you, you don't own them. Our grandparents, when they bought a, a share of Coca-Cola, they got a share certificate in the mail for Coca-Cola. We, we haven't seen those in 25 years. Those are held now by the warehouses, by, by whoever you end up buying that through. And when you work with an individual broker-dealer, which is what, what I did for years, that broker-dealer operates through someone else. They, they aren't the warehouse. They have a warehouse that they operate through, which means that there's at least two hands that are touching every transaction that you do it, it, a, at a minimum. So there are fees with all of those things that happen. And so when, when, we, when we digitize it, and now that warehouse has the ability to fractionalize the share. So that, that's a problem. They, they can sell that share up to 10 times. They only have to hold 10% of assets. Uh, so that creates a problem for all of us. If, if, we, all, if we all decide we want to cash in our shares of Coca-Cola, they don't have them all to, to cash in. They, they simply can't. Fractionalization is a problem. The difference, because we're still talking about fractionalization, that, that's still the case with tokens. But now you and I as the token holders benefit from that fractionalization instead of the warehouse. We are, we are removing the middleman, which is why they're fighting so much. It's why JP Morgan says you know, crypto is equivalent to Satan until all of a sudden they have their own coin and now you should buy that. <laughs> It's because they're trying to figure out how to make money from all of this stuff. And once they figure it all out, that's when they're going to be pro crypto or tokenization or what have you. They need to be removed from the equation. It's simple as that. Where I was headed a minute ago, though, what people don't know, most of the world is unaware of, is there is only one company in the world 
that digitizes all shares and bonds. Now, that's supposed to be a monopoly. That's supposed to be illegal, but nobody knows it. There's one company that digitizes all shares. You don't think they're making a, a, a slice every time you buy a, a stock? Of course they are, but they're behind the scenes. That, that shouldn't be the case. All shares and bonds are already digital. This is not new. We're just removing the middleman is all we're doing. So to, for a five-year-old, for a five-year-old, it's like instead of me giving uh, your allowance to Uncle Pete to give to, to Grandma Betty to give to you, I'm just going to give it directly to you. Yeah. It's like the old, it's like the old joke. I, I forget what group of people it was against. I mean, we could, it could be blondes or Swedes or whatever, but it's like, hey, can I borrow 50 bucks? And the person says, oh, you want to buy 40 bucks? I'd be happy to give you 30. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way the system works. And it, um, we haven't had any control of all that. So that, that's, that's the pushback is that we're taking some of that control back with digitization, with tokenization. Another, another analogy I think of is um, back in the day, like when you had a, like a principality, all these principalities in Germany, for example, if you were taking a trip down the Rhine, you'd have to pull your boat up every time you saw a castle. You have to trudge all the way up to the top of the hill pay the guy and then go to the next one, right? So it's it's like, and then, you know, if you just picture that instead of doing that, you could just have a drone, you know, or a plane and just fly over all of those. Um, it's a different approach, right? Right, right. So all of that said, I mean, would the Republic of Texas use cryptocurrency? I, I've been rather disappointed, actually, in, in Texas' approach to to this space. Um, and I've I've... I've known Greg Abbott personally for probably 25 years. You know, Dan Patrick is, uh, my business was in Houston is where I owned my investment firm. Dan Patrick uh, was in the Houston area as a radio personality before he got into politics. Um, so I've, I've interacted with these people for a long time. What it's looked like to me is that they've really left their conservative leanings that they profess to be and, and have moved more to the middle trying to appease everyone. And, and generally, when you try to appease everyone, you appease no one. And, and that's kind of where they've landed. On, on this particular sector, um, Kerplock is organized and, and has a corporation here in the United States. Uh, we did it in Wyoming. Uh, we didn't do it here in Texas because Texas has yet to really adopt and, and try to get their hands around. Because I do live here in the Austin area, I've gone down and had conversations with senators and, and congressmen and and talked a lot about this and, and told them that it's a shame and it's a travesty that in a state that is so pro-business that I need to go to another state to incorporate my business because Texas isn't supporting this particular venture and, and this innovation. It's really interesting. And, and so it was fun to hear you talk about that, but I was actually asking about the Republic of Texas. So back in the day, like the actual sort of the folks who said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to build a republic. So back in that day, do you think they would have dug crypto? That, that's a pretty easy question to answer. Just like any country, the Republic of Texas had its own money. I've, I've got a, a $10 and a $50 bill from the Republic of Texas right here on the wall. Wow. The Republic of Texas absolutely would be looking at at, at this as a form of, of independence and, and control and, and being able to operate it. Uh, the Republic of Texas was there because they were trailblazers. They were, they were people that were out in front and not sitting around and waiting for somebody to act. They, they, they took action and that's what created the Republic of Texas. Uh, that's why 
why Texas is the only state in, in the United States that can fly their flag at the same level as the United States, because it's the only state that was once a country. Interesting. Fun fact. I did not know that. Wow. Randy, that's your home state there. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested, Joey, the cryptocurrency that people talk about now is you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or the shit coins that are out there that are, are yes, incredibly volatile. They're being driven by no basis of value behind them. Um, except people's the micro caps. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's it's like the yeah. pump and dump schemes of the seventies, you know. Yes, but blockchain is a totally different thing. Blockchain has a great deal of commercial viability, and I'm really excited about where that can go. So, is that something that do, do we need to separate in our minds the difference between these volatile cryptos and the underlying technology being blockchain. Yeah, it, that, that's an interesting point, Randy. And, and if you if you go to the CurveBlock website, you won't find the word crypto anywhere. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, what that. we talk about is tokenization. That's what we talk about because crypto now is a four letter word. Obviously, that's associated with all the crap that's gone on and the fraud that's gone on, and and so people are trying to equate actual blockchain use and tokenization with with the scammers. And and while you always have to be careful for that, there, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, there's going to be scammers. We have to structure whatever that industry is in a way to to minimize that and, and to catch those people and, and remove them from the sector. Um, so we don't talk about crypto anymore and haven't for a couple of years now, actually, um, at, at CurveBlock. Because for, for CurveBlock, the blockchain... The blockchain is used really for transparency. That that's really the main thing that, that it's being used for. Um, the real estate space is is a very opaque industry. Um, it, it it's very legal, so there's a, a lot of depth that is not seen. Yeah, I mean, speaking of a lot of hands being involved, right, right. Real estate, it's like, wait, what does that guy do over? There? Why why is this this guy getting something? Yeah, like, what's so that fee for? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I was just buying a, a property out in the middle of nowhere from directly from the owner, and, and the owner wasn't going to charge interest. They were like, we just want the money for the, for the property. We don't need to charge interest. Uh, we found out that that isn't legal. You have to charge interest. Well, why? If he says there's no interest, then who, who are you to say that there has to be? But apparently, there has to be interest. That was something I didn't know. That, that's something I just discovered recently. I mean, the, these things are just ridiculous. And, you know, who, who's benefiting from that? Why? Why? I don't understand the purpose of all that. And that's, that's, I mean, that's what really, when you come down to it, that's, that's what people in this particular space, the, the blockchain and tokenization space are trying to do. They're, tr they're trying to improve systems and operations to remove all the layers and reduce cost and make things more efficient. And that's something that our financial system has needed for a long, long time. That's that's the in a nutshell what it is. I I actually found this space from the blockchain side, not from not from the tokenization side. I was consulting with a company, and and we were looking at using blockchain as a means to protect and secure data. 
so that once, as we know, once something's written into the blockchain, it's there indefinitely. It can't be changed. It's it's unalterable. Now, we can certainly talk about the fact that you have to make sure that it's good data that goes in, like like anything else. Just with computers, bad stuff goes in, bad stuff comes out. You're you're not going to get good stuff with bad inputs. The blockchain's the same way. You you have to make sure that what's going in is accurate. But we were looking at protecting personal information of, of people within the, the medical space and, and making things more efficient for transmitting that information. And so we were looking at blockchain as a means to, to secure that data and be able to say, here's when that data went on the blockchain. It hasn't been changed since then. And so you can trust that that data is accurate. How would you uh, explain blockchain to a child? It's, it's really pretty simplistic when you really get down to it. We're, we're simply taking uh, a block of information. If you happen to, to watch Bob Sponge Pants for whatever reason, you, you can take an episode of Bob's, Bob Sponge Pants and, and put it into a block, and every episode becomes a block. You chain those together, which creates a chain that's all that information from Bob Sponge Pants into one block chain, and that data will be there forever, and you've now secured it. So you can go back and watch that as many times as you want. It's locked in that blockchain, ever, never to be changed in the future. And I also, I, I have to say, so so we like to keep these interviews short. I have to say, um, so the actual name of the, the show is SpongeBob SquarePants, but I kind of like uh, your spinoff there, the Bob SpongePants. I, I think... Um, I, I don't it's, it's watch like cartoons. A, <laughs> And my children are grown. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of like it though, because I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, imagine having sponge pants. You could, you could literally do anything, and it would bounce off, right? So it's, there you go. It'd always be clean, you know. Uh, it's like little kids, you know. They're, they're kind of rubbery. They, they bounce. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of kids, what do you see for the future generations uh, as to what's happening and what will be happening? You know th- this. There aren't that many of us in this sector that are that are mine and in, in, in Randy's age. There's much more uh, youngsters in this space than than there are those that of us with experience. Any sector needs all of the above. You need the the youngsters because they're the ones to carry the, the torch forward. But you need those with experience to help guide the younger ones as as they develop and grow in this space. Um, there there's a lot of opportunity in this space. What would be wonderful for me is if we could use, somehow utilize blockchain to to validate all of this media and news that's being pumped out and, and be able to get rid of some of the trash that we're being told is is real uh, when it's when it's in fact not and, and be able to to analyze data more efficiently to be able to say this is real this is not real because I I, I think we've lost our media I don't, I don't think media tells the truth about much of anything anymore unless there's some reason that it benefits them to, to say something in some particular way. It's, it's no longer news. Now it's, it's, uh, it's programming. It's TV programming. I love that the honesty and transparency can be on a blockchain. It's simple, right. simple ledger. It's just a list of stuff. You just can't fake it. I love that. Right. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Where, where can people find out more about you, about your different projects? Uh, where can they, I don't join in all the different pieces. Yeah, Joey Jones is pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Curveblock is just curveblock.io if if they want to look at that. I um I still do consulting with a lot of various businesses, but but most of my time is spent with Curveblock 
trying to grow that business and, and things are going real well for Curveplex. So that's that's been a, a fun project to work on. Very cool. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a blast. Well, uh, what is what is the Texas tagline? Randy, what's a, what's a good Texas tagline? I, I don't know how to sign the show off. Don't mess with Texas. Yeah, don't mess with Texas or... Uh, <laughs> or come and take it. Or y'all don't mess with Texas. <laughs> All right, thank you, Joey. This was fun. Pleasure. Well, thanks, Joey. That was amazing. What a journey we went on today. We went to the Republic of Texas and Bonnie and Clyde and well, what, did you, what did you call him? Bob Sponge um, Pants. Sponge Pants. Just we, we went all over the place and an amazing time. Thank you so much. I, I love the Republic of Texas once being a country and having its own currency. Crazy stuff. And now crypto and tokenization and all that good fun stuff that's happening right now. Very topical. So listeners, if you'd like to tokenize yourself, Randy and I have a lot of thoughts about that. Come check us out at thoughtpartnergroup.com and do some stuff there. Reach out to us somehow and, um, you know, uh, be thinking about your core story. And uh, maybe we can tokenize you just like somebody should be tokenizing Bob Spongepants right now. So don't waste any time. Go to thoughtpartnergroup.com. Press on that free assessment. Do that stuff. Let's see if we can tokenize you.